Well, hello once again. It's wonderful to be here. And I talk about uh, an affinity with this church. Um, I know people who are here. One of the other connections to our college, uh, Ken Benjamin, your former team leader, has just agreed to join our trustees board, which is a huge coup for us. And absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And Ken will make a, a huge uh, difference to us as we seek to renew our trustees. One or two of you may remember me as well from three to four years ago when you were looking to call Ellen as your team leader and I chaired a church meeting for you on Zoom. I've never been chairing a church meeting with so many screens and I think, what's going on here? There's more people coming in and that's uh, absolutely fantastic. To the extent that I was able to give a, a tiny bit of help just to smooth the way forward, I consider that one of the best pieces of work that I've done over the last four or five years. Absolutely tremendous. And God is clearly blessing you under Ellen's leadership. And it's wonderful to see. We're going to look at those verses from Hebrews 10 together. And because they're so rich, I'm just going to plunge in. And we have two headings, really. We're thinking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the unfinished work of the people of God. Okay, so finished and unfinished. The finished work of our wonderful Lord Jesus and the unfinished work of the church. I want to think about the finished work of Jesus first of all. And if you do have a Bible, then just to have that in front of you or to have it on a, a phone or some other device might help. You can listen, but if you have it in front of you, then that is great. And we pick it up from verse 11. And what you have here is a contrast between the Old Testament priests and the work that Jesus has come to do as the great high priest. And in verse 11, we see that this um, Old Testament work is something that is happening over and over and over again. And it's brought out really skillfully in this language. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. And you see how the language is deployed day after day, again and again, the same sacrifices. There is that sense of weary repetition that is there. And the fact the priest is standing symbolizes this as well. He stands in the Old Testament understanding as a symbol, as a sign that his work is never done. But then the language shifts. Then something different and definite comes. Verse 12, when this priest, that is Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, sitting down as a symbol, as a sign this time that his work is done, it's completed, it's finished. And the language is definite and it's strong and it's sure. And we see the effect of this, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, what it has accomplished. 
see in verse 13 um, that he waits in verse 14. One sacrifice he has made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. And verse 18, where these have been forgiven, where sins have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. And because Jesus has done this, the way into the very presence of God is open. Forgiveness can be received. Let's just pause and think about that and apply that for our hearts today. There is free and full forgiveness. The book of Hebrews is very clear that sin and guilt have been dealt with by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And as we come to him in faith, as we put our trust in him, we have forgiveness. I want to encourage you to live in the light of that. We need to confess our sins on a regular basis because we mess up. But there is always forgiveness for the one who comes to Jesus. And sin and guilt. Maybe you're struggling with just feelings about yourself, things that you've done, that habit that you can't break. And we're reminded in these verses that we're called to press on in holiness and to live passionate, holy lives as disciples of Jesus. And yet we mess up. And yet there is free and full forgiveness in Jesus. You need to receive that afresh. You need to know that you are clean and forgiven because you have turned from sin, turned from wrongdoing, and put your faith in Jesus. These verses remind us that Jesus' work is finished, that the price for sin is paid, and you can be forgiven and clean. And the way to God is open. In these verses that you, you might know, a way, this is verse 20, a new and living way has been opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And again, it's sacrifice, temple imagery, the temple or the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And the priests could only go into the, the Holy of Holies once a year. And it was a special time and everybody was concerned, what's going to happen? He's going into the holy place. Is he going to come out? Is he going to be okay and here we see that Jesus has gone into the temple he's gone into the outer courts he's gone through the various layers that they were he's gone right into the holy of holies he's gone through the curtain and the way is open and it's a new and living way for us to travel into the very presence of God. A while ago, I was listening to the great Welsh preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, preaching on a, a sort of audio file. And he was preaching this sermon on these verses. And it was a, an old file, an old message, probably preaching in the 1960s. That's when the sermon was originally given and he gave an illustration which is unusual in and of itself because he didn't give many I would say I was sitting in the car 
listening to this message. That's important. So, audiophile in the car, he gave this illustration about these new motorways that were springing up all over the country, these great arterial roads, and how wonderful it was. Remember, this is the 1960s. How wonderful it was that these great roads were just meaning you could get to your destination so quickly. You could speed through. Why go on these narrow, windy country roads when you can go on these new motorways and you can get to your destination quickly? It's like the new and living way that we see here in Hebrews. You can just go right through. I was listening to this in the car on the M25. (laughs) You probably have an idea about what's coming here. He preached for about 45, 50 minutes, so it was a long message. And during that time, we moved maybe two and a half miles. (laughs) It was absolute gridlock. We were not going anywhere, and the illustration didn't really work in the 21st century. The New England Living Way had got rather clogged. It had got into bad repair. There were roadworks. There were accidents. There were too many people who were traveling on it in terms of the M25. And it was very slow and very difficult. Wonderful, wonderful thing. The New and Living Way that Hebrews speaks of, that Jesus has opened up for us, that God's word brings to us and applies to our hearts by the Holy Spirit, this new and living way will never get blocked. No repairs, no accidents. It doesn't matter how many people are traveling this new and living way. We can go right in to the presence of God. Isn't that An amazing thing. Free and full forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus has done for us. Isn't that wonderful? And the fact that we can go into his presence as we've done today. Prayer, praise, worship, adoration, confession. Spending time contemplating the glory and wonder of Jesus. It's just extraordinary. And it's what Jesus has done for us thinking about a reunion. We are having it this year, and it's University Christian Union reunion, 40 years since we left. I know I don't look that old. I know that's what you're thinking. Well, maybe you're not. But 40 years ago, I left university, and we're getting back together again. And it reminded me of a conference we went on at university where just that sense of the glory and the wonder of the gospel came home to me. There was, there was no hype, there was no emotion being whipped up. The speaker was rather boring. At one point, they were reading a quotation, and what I remember is that they, they sort of held their notes up like this so that you couldn't see their face, and, and nothing much was happening. And then the guy just put his notes down and speaking about the gospel, speaking about the sacrifice of Jesus, speaking about the way that was open into the very presence of God, he simply says, you know, nothing compares to this. Nothing compares to this. And the only way that I can describe it is that 
the Spirit fell. God came by the Holy Spirit and just that sense, he couldn't carry on preaching. He had to stop. And we broke into groups. People were crying out. People were praying. Just an extraordinary sense of the glory and the wonder of God. And that doesn't happen all the time with me. But just those moments and maybe you're thinking back about something similar yourself maybe even God is coming to you right now and saying nothing in the world compares to this the gospel the grace of God the sacrifice of Jesus the free and full forgiveness that he gives me the opportunity for a fresh start to follow the Lord Jesus wherever he leads and this glory and wonder of being able to go into the very presence of God because of what Jesus has done the new and living way we don't need to use special words we don't need to earn our way in there is nothing to do it's a finished work Jesus has done it all and all we need to do is travel that way I want to encourage you to rest and rejoice and to lay hold of, to grab hold of with both hands, if that doesn't sound irreverent, but to grab hold of the finished work of Christ. Jesus has done this for us. Let's come into his presence in worship and praise. It's a finished work. And I'm just going to encourage us a bit more about that in a moment. But think too about the unfinished work of the church. And just a few things very quickly from verses 19. There are so many things that we are encouraged to do. And we're called to hold on to our hope. Let us hold unswervingly, verse 23, to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let, let's hold on to gospel hope, to gospel truth. Let's do that unswervingly in a culture that doesn't encourage fidelity to gospel truth. Let's hold on and let's press on in the truth of God as it is in Jesus. And let's give ourselves to the work of God, to encourage one another, spur one another on to love and to good deeds. You're doing that here tremendously. I love the alternative gatherings that you have. I encourage you to be involved in those. Keep going, press on, persevere, which is another thing in these verses. It's rich and the stuff just tumbles out for us. The things that God has for us, the unfinished work that we're called to press on with. But most of all, I want to encourage you to travel this new and living way. As I was thinking, praying, this is just the thing that stands out to me again and again in these days, in these messages. There is a new and living way into the very presence of God. And he encourages us to come often in worship, in praise, come together, come corporately, come in small groups, come in our own disciplined habits of devotion, morning and evening prayer, come spontaneously, come in longer times, come in worship and praise and prayer. I just want to 
plug one book in particularly. Very, very quickly, I'm going to just say that I've got my own book on discipleship on the stall at the back. Um, I've written about this particular passage and a number of others. Um, 9.99 for a penny, I'll sign it for you. Uh, if, you are, if you are interested in this at all, I had great joy writing this. And um, it's something that I'm very happy to share. But this is the book that I really want to plug. And it's a book that my daughter uh, got me onto. It's written by Tyler Staten, and it's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Does anybody know this book? Anybody like to give a wave? We've got one hand. I think this is an extraordinary book. And I, I've read quite a few books on prayer. I think I've written a chapter on prayer in this book. And, and you, you think, and I guess this probably sounds a bit snooty, and, and maybe it is. You think you, you, you know some stuff, and yeah, praying, that's um, something that I love and something that I can press into. I have not read a book within the last 10, 15 years that has challenged me like this one and not quite sure what it is because in some ways I've read better books on prayer and you read something and you think oh is that, I could, that might have been expressed a little bit better a bit differently but the thing is this that no book no book that I've read probably ever apart from the bible has actually encouraged me to pray more than this one and has actually led to changed habits in prayer life, greater desire to pray, a greater desire to push on through the hard times when it's dry and difficult because we all have those times, don't we? Encouraged uh, in contemplation, in devotion, in real intercession, hammering on the gates of heaven, calling down the blessing of God that he longs to give, that he loves to give to us. The answers to prayer that have flowed, it's been, it's been just extraordinary. I think probably the thing is that this guy is someone who clearly, clearly prays himself and who is a great prayer warrior. He's linked with 24-7 prayer, uh, Pete Gregg, Christine Kane, uh, John Mark Comer, people like this. You may have come across their stuff. I, I am an enthusiast for this book. You may well tell because it has encouraged me over and over to travel the new and living way. The finished work of Jesus, we rest in that, we rejoice in that, we see that the way is open into the very presence of God and the unfinished work of the church. Love and good deeds, evangelism, spurring one another on to the work that he has called us to do, holding on to the truth of God. And most of all this morning, traveling the new and living way and growing in the wonderful relationship with God that he offers to us. Finished and unfinished. And there is a reminder here, I wonder if you picked it up in the very last verse, that one day 
our work, in a sense, will have finished. We will come to an end of a chapter because it says the day is approaching. That is the day of Christ, the day when he returns, the day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth. We will have resurrection bodies. We will see him and we will be like him. In the new heavens and the new earth, there is no temple because the light of God that is in Jesus is everywhere. We will be with him and we will not need to travel a new and living way because everywhere will be the presence of our glorious Lord Jesus, finished and unfinished and then one day, in a sense, finished. Until then, the way is open. And so let's come into the very presence of our God.